Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we're going to review Kentucky's 63-3 loss at number one ranked Alabama on Saturday. We're also going to talk about the start of the UK basketball season, which is scheduled to start Wednesday night against Moorhead State. And my guest is my usual Sunday guest, Mark Story, my fellow columnist at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. My conversation with Mark Story of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest on the podcast is my friend and colleague and fellow Herald Leader sports columnist, Mark Story. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm good, John. Uh, Kentucky, of course, uh, as we all know, uh, <laughs> basically crushed yesterday at, in Tuscaloosa, 63-3. to um, Now, those of us of a certain age, and even though you're younger than I am, Mark, I'm going to include you in this too, 60-point <laughs> uh, losses in <laughs> Kentucky football are not unprecedented. Uh, how many times yesterday were you thinking back to those uh, debacles in Florida, at Florida and one at South Carolina that have happened in our lifetime? Well, I definitely thought about the two games in Florida. I guess it was what, 94 and 96, right. the 73 to 7 and so 65 to nothing. Right. That's correct. And then and then um, then there there was a a um, Rich Brooks era game at Florida right. where they got beat 63 to 5 where they, did they get like two punts that's, blocked in the first quarter to set up correct. touchdown. That is yeah. correct. That's correct. I remember uh, that game, Rich looked like he'd seen a ghost because he, he really did feel like, as he said afterwards, he felt like they were past those types of days. And then, because uh, that was 2008. That wasn't like it Rich's was. first yeah. year. But uh, think, yeah, it uh, definitely brought back memories of the being at the, at the Swamp, the 73-7, nothing games, uh, definitely. And then the, the South Carolina game where, uh, where Spurrier was the coach of South Carolina then when Joker Phillips and they lost – uh, what was it, 54 to 3, I think? Uh, that, that was the game that yielded the famous heck of a punt. I know this, right. Kentucky has a heck of a punter. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The other thing I remember that game wasn't Joker smiling when he shook uh, Spurrier's hand after the game, which I think a lot of Kentucky fans were upset about. Uh, but anyway. Uh, well, Joker, you know, Joker, he didn't complain. I mean, he, he, you know, either for good or bad, he did, he took that loss with yeah. equanimity he, he he wasn't <laughs> at least the face he showed it to the media he wasn't you know right. th- he didn't seem that agitated right right uh so 63 so now we can add this one to the list 63 to 3 a 60 point loss uh obviously kentucky i mean going into the game 30 point underdog at the beginning of the week before we knew that they were going to be missing uh before we found out at least word leaked out on friday that they were going to be missing uh players a significant number of players and in, in at least a couple or three significant players when you're talking about chris rodriguez on offense Jamin Davis on defense and the continued absence of Max Duffy, but I don't know that we could have predicted that it would end up being a 60-point loss, even with that. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's not there's not much to recommend that. <laughs> I mean, it, that, that that's that it does you know those kind of things do damage. You now, if you're trying to find a positive, you go back to that 2008 where they you know they took that horrible loss at Florida. They did manage to you know, end up winning the Liberty Bowl that year. So, you know, they, they were able to salvage something. So right. in theory, you know, you 
can try to bounce back from one of these, but, you know, just in terms of the perception of the program and a lot of the good work Mark Stoops has done here and, you know, in terms of getting people to see Kentucky football differently, you know, a lot of that I think gets undone by days like yesterday. Yeah, okay. Now, okay. Let's talk about this. Cause I think, I think we're on opposite sides on this, <laughs> but uh, go what Okay. You, that's been the question that's been thrown out there. A lot of, I've seen and heard how much damage did a 60 point loss, does a 60 point loss like yesterday do to your program? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it does. I mean, I think, you know, you're, basically in a profession where your future depends on being able to, to sell your program to, to, to talented players. And, you know, you're in a profession where these guys could negative recruit mother Teresa. And the thing they, uh, they use against Kentucky always is that it, it's never really going to change. And it had started to change. And, you know, I think a, a 60 point loss it, it, and, and, and there are hundred well, there are, several you know significant mitigating factors in this you know you look at you know they're in the pandemic you know, they found out late in the week that they were pro- without their best offensive skill player their best defender they didn't have their all-american punter they didn't have their starting tight end they didn't have their starting right guard you know they've what they've gone through and t- with you know chris oates and with you know coach schlarman you know the fact you know just the stuff that everybody else is going through with the pandemic you know their problematic position is wide receiver they change coaches they wound up not getting a spring practice they have a you know a weird you know preseason situation you're playing an all conference schedule so it's hard to get your problem position fixed i mean there's all kinds of legitimate mitigating factors but it's still losing to a conference team by 60 points yeah, I, I side on the legit. <laughs> I side on the legitimate mitigating factors. Uh, I think it was a bad matchup to start with. Anytime you're playing Alabama, Alabama's you know has decisively beaten everybody that they played, including uh, Texas A&M, which is now uh, you know top five, top six team. They beat Georgia, who at the time was the favorite to win the uh, SEC East, and beat them handily. Uh, yeah, and then you find the other the other factor too is according to Stoops yesterday, a lot of those guys practiced during the week. They practiced with them and then found out on Friday that they either tested positive. We we don't know because they're not releasing these things, but they either tested positive or could not make the trip for contact tracing. Uh, so it wasn't like they knew on Monday or Tuesday. Okay, you know Rodriguez is not going to be able to go. Jamin Davis is not going to be able to go. What did then they start yesterday? I think with three linebackers or three linebackers who had played any at all. Start Starting the game, so yeah, I mean, sixty points obviously looks bad. I, I just think this is an unusual year, uh, circumstances, regardless of the, all the things as you mentioned that have happened to him with Chris Oates, uh, John Schlarman's death last week. I mean, you got to remember on Monday this team was at John Schlarman's funeral and memorial service. Um, I think all those things factor in. So I don't think it looks good. I don't. I think probably I'm sure coaches will try to use in recruiting, but I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it is a. I think it deserves a little bit of an deserves an asterisk beside it that it's not quite the same as some of those other losses because of the circumstances involved. I think I'm sympathetic to that. I just think perception is not always reality based. And I think, especially in terms of how it's going to impact their recruiting, I you know, I, I just think people are going to use it against them. I mean, it is a 60-point loss to a team in your conference, albeit an exceptional team in your conference. Right, right. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, obviously they got a very tough task on Saturday against Florida, 
<clears throat> but I just think I, I just think for everybody, it's going to be and it's going to be it's almost going to be like a tossing year. And I'm not trying to take away I'm not trying to take away credit from people who are good this year. I'm just saying it's a very unusual year. I'm not sure you can judge the team. And I you know I yes it could hurt them in recruiting. You could make the argument too that they could go back out and recruit. We get, we need more players. We got you come in here you can play right away because look we need help especially at certain positions. Uh, but I, I do think – do they beat Alabama if they have Chris Rodriguez and Jamin Davis and Justin Rigg and Luke Fortner and those guys and Max Duffy? No, but I don't think it's a 60-point game either. And I'm not taking away that they – I mean, they've got problems they got to fix. They've got to fix this offense. I don't know what the whether it's going to be – you know, at the level of, of of making replacements on the staff or something, but the offense has been uh, very dis- has been disappointing all year long. Uh, you know, they just can't move the ball consistently. They can't finish drives when they do move the ball, and they can't throw the ball. So they become one dimensional. Which last year, because you had an ex- uh, you had an uh, exceptional talent in Lynn Bowden, you could get away with that. But this year, they have not been able to get away with that. Yeah, I mean, to me, they have two choices. Now they could go back to what they did last year, go out and try to recruit them and Lynn Bowden and, and, and run the read option and recruit physical offensive linemen and embrace that. Now I don't know that that would be super popular and I don't know how easy that would be to do, although there are teams that do it. So failing that they've got to get a passing game going. And I think it creates kind of an interesting situation looking ahead you know, at the quarterback situation. You know, I don't, we haven't seen enough of Joey Gatewood or Bo Allen to form any lasting opinions, but if you're just having said that, I'm going to give an opinion. If you need to get your passing game going, it looks to me like that Bo's the, the guy that is better equipped to do that. Yeah, and but then again, you're in a tough spot too. Do you throw Bo Allen in there in these last two games against Florida on the road at Florida and South Carolina? <clears throat> I mean, do you, I mean, uh, do you risk – hurting his development, especially from a mental standpoint, if you throw him in there when he's not really equipped for success. I mean, if they played, you know, if they had, if they played UT Martin at this point in the schedule before they're playing Louisville, I mean, I think that might be a different situation, but I'm not sure. And I think back to one of those games we talked about 65, you know, this, the, one of those debacles at Florida at the swamp was a game where they started Tim couch, uh, second game. I mean, do you, you know, do you really do that? But, uh, Back to your original thing. No, that I mean I don't think you can run the ball uh, and just run the ball, run the ball, and run the ball. You can make it the base of your offense, but you've got to be able to throw the ball. I mean, I think Saban was right when he said a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it used to be you could play really good defense and win, and you didn't have to score a lot of points. Now you got to score points. I mean, just look around. If you're not scoring points, you're gonna, you're not going to consistently win. You've got to score points. That's just the way college football is you know I don't want to sound like Gary Danielson but that's the way modern football is right now you've got to score points and they've got to develop a passing game to be able to score points they don't have to be the air raid they don't have to make it the focal point of the offense I I would prefer to see them have a strong running game and do play action and work a passing game off the run game but you've got to be able to throw the ball and they just can't do it on a consistent basis not with any threat to loosen up the off loosen up the defense so you can run consistently yeah, when I was talking about the quarterbacks, I was looking ahead to next year. I would oh, stay okay. with Terry. I would stay with Terry Wilson. Would you? Yeah, I think I it's would, your. Uh, I think it's your best chance. You know, I, I think they still need to try to win. And yeah. you know, I, obviously, I don't think the chances are great at Florida. Although, you know, but I do think they have a chance to beat South Carolina with right. their interim head coach. And I think Terry's your best bet. I would finish out the season with Terry. 
you know, it's interesting. I think how they want the offense to look was what it looked like in 2016 when they got it going, the year when Drew Barker got hurt and they wound up with Steven Johnson and they sort of scrambled around on the fly. And, you know, they built their running game, had 2,000-yard rushers with Vinny Snell and Boom Williams, but they were incredibly effective with Jeff Bidette and right. Steven Johnson through the deep post, you know, as consistently mm-hmm. well as I've ever seen a Kentucky quarterback. And the thing that I think has been frustrating about this, as well as they've run the ball in recent years, you know, they should be able to, you know, have a play action, a really lethal play action passing game, and, and they just don't. And, you know, they, they're, they're going to have to figure out a way to, to – create vertical playmaking because you know every you know there there's eight nine guys in the box all the time this year right right i my opinion in my opinion now and i don't see the game film i don't see the all 22 film so i don't know it's for sure but i i just i don't think there were i don't think the receivers are getting the separation that you need and i think i think terry's been more decisive the last couple of games i thought and we talked a little bit about this before we started recording and I agree with you 100%. I thought offensively their game plan was good. They just didn't execute yesterday. They just didn't execute it. They didn't finish drives. The next thing you know, it, you know, the thing's spinning out of control and they can't get it stopped. But uh, I And I just go back to, and I think we've talked about this before, he's had a high turnover at the wide receiver coach position um, for whatever reason. I just wonder about the quality of the recruits and the quality of the coaching these guys have gotten, not this year, but over the years when you had to – continually change your wide receiver coach I just wonder how much that factors into the equation Uh, I know that they have some guys that they got some freshmen on this team right now that they like but it's been a different type of season where you haven't had those non-conference opponents where you could give those time some those guys some playing time and get them ready to play and I know they've got some recruits including one right here in Lexington who is a very heralded receiver recruit who they feel like can help them uh, and, it'll be, and hopefully they can hold on to those guys so we can see what they can do next year. But I think that's part of their problem. Yeah, I agree on the receiving. I think this staff has had a lot of success in terms of making recruiting evaluations and having guys that weren't super highly touted turn out to be high-level players. But I think they've had some misses at wide receiver that have sort of come back and bitten them. And and then all the turnover, and you know, as I alluded to earlier, you come into this year with a new wide receivers coach, you have an aborted spring practice and a bizarre preseason practice. And I just, I just think the, you know, that's, that was a position that was a concern entering the season and you didn't get a normal opportunity to quote unquote coach it up. Yeah. And, and, and they have improved their recruiting, but uh, you can point to a couple of guys in state that they missed on uh, one being the kid from Frankfurt last year who went, ended up in Nebraska, whose name escapes me now. Wand- yeah. Wandale Robinson was a humongous Kentucky recruiting loss. Yes. You know, the, you know, Rondale Moore wasn't really from Kentucky. He's from Indiana. He right. just played at Trinity. They, you know, they tried, and I give them credit for trying, but I don't hold that against them. Yeah. Rondale really hurt because he was exactly what they need. Right. And, the, and it wasn't like he, you know, it'd be one thing if he'd picked Alabama or Clemson. Kentucky's been better right. than Nebraska the right. last four years. I mean, it, that that one was that was a big recruiting loss. Yeah. Yeah, no, more Rondell was the other guy I was thinking about, but you're right. I mean, they, the deck was stacked against him from the start because he was from Indiana. Did you, there was a Jeff Brom connection early on there. But, boy, when you watch – I don't know if you watched the game uh, Friday night when they play, played Minnesota. Uh, it was Rondell's first game – uh, first game back after having an injury, first opting out, but then opting back in when the Big Ten decided to play. I mean, that guy's just—he's just a special talent. He's—it's going to be fun to watch him in the pros to see what he can do because he's just a special talent. 
That is true. He is every bit that. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else? We want to talk a little basketball, but well, they got, let's talk a little bit about going to Florida. Look ahead to Florida. Obviously, Florida is playing really well right now. They've all but got the SEC East locked up. Kyle Trask, a quarterback who uh, Dan Mullen has Kentucky to thank for him because they knocked Felipe Franks out of the game and he was forced to put Trask in and Trask has uh, held on to the job ever since. And who knows, he might win the Heisman this year. He's playing that well. Uh, what does Kentucky have to do, not necessarily to win at Florida, but what, what do they have to do to kind of get, get some get some respect back at uh, at Florida on Saturday? Well, they have to compete, and they need to you know not let it get away from them like they did Saturday. You know, I I I picked Florida before the season to win the East. I have tremendous respect for Dan Mullen as a coach, and I think he's starting to you know sort of work the, the level of athlete back into the mix that. You know, we think of Florida with Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier. That being said, I do not think Florida is as good as Alabama. So, you know, I don't I think I don't think the game should get out of hand in the way this game, you know, the Alabama game did. And I, do, I think it's a question of effort. I mean, you know, we've talked about all the reasons this is a difficult season for, you know, for everybody and even more so for Kentucky because of some things that have happened around the program. But, you know, these, these games do count, and, you know, you, you don't want to let go of the rope here late in the year. No, that's true. That's that. No, that's true. They need to compete at Florida. And that Florida, unlike Alabama, because Alabama's in the West and they don't play them very often, they, were not, they weren't even scheduled to play Alabama this year until the, until the change was made for COVID with the all-SEC schedule. But uh, Florida's a team they played every year and have been very competitive against. They won the last time they went to Gainesville, uh, actually, and were ahead uh, late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter against Florida last year before ended up ending up losing. So it shouldn't be a case where they think, oh, well, we can't, you know, Florida's this big unknown that we can't compete against. They have done that. Of course, it's going to be different this year and you're playing down at the swamp and the other circumstances involved, but they should have, they should at least going into the game thinking we, we can, we may not be able to beat these guys, but we can't compete with them. Well, they should probably should have beaten them three years in a row. Right. They, you know, have led the game in the fourth quarter three years in a row. And, you know, th- three years ago, it was the unfortunate situation with the uncovered wide receivers. Right. And then last year, you know, they had a field goal chance to win it and weren't able to convert that. Um, you know, th- the other th- question is, you know, who are they going to have available to play? Right. You know, <laughs> contact, you know, this involves contact tracing or you know, are guys actually infected? And, and are they out for 14 days? Or, you know, it, you know, it's not like they were just down players. They were down, you know, some of their best, their best people. Right. 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 Exactly. And we asked Mark Stoops about that after the game last night. And he said, you know, they don't know. They won't know. And just like he did not know the way he talked last night. He didn't know until at least Thursday or Friday that he was going to be without some guys that he had been practicing all week. So I guess I guess that, of course, that Kentucky, this, it varies from school to school on how they're handling this. Kentucky is basically taking a, you know, we're, you're going to have to find out we're not telling you approach. And uh, so we don't know how many of those were actually tested positive or how many contact tracing i'm assuming uh that max i mean you have to assume max duffy tested tested positive because he's missed two games uh but as for the others we don't know so i mean chris rodriguez and jamin davis could be down in gainesville on saturday or they may still be back home in lexington we just don't know 
at this point. Yeah, and it's hard to evaluate the game without, you know, right. knowing what their status is going to be. <laughs> yeah, before you make your matchups and predictions, you can't get Mark <laughs> to tell you, hey, I need this. You're going to make me look bad in print and online. Yeah, tomorrow on his Zoom call, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll ask that question in exactly <laughs> that way. <laughs> I look forward to that. I look forward to see how he reacts to that. Okay, let's touch on basketball real quick uh, because Kentucky does open this. Well, as they are scheduled to open the season on Wednesday. It seems like every time I check Twitter this afternoon, uh, Jeff Goodman's got is tweeting out about another program that's been put on pause. But they're supposed to open Wednesday against Moorhead State, a six o'clock uh, game. What do you, uh, what are you looking for from uh, this Kentucky basketball team, which is basically, with the exception of Keon Brooks, an all new basketball team? Will you, what will you be looking for on Wednesday? Provided there just, is a game on Wednesday. Yeah, assuming there is a game. I think I'm interested in the point guard position. I think you know you kind of have choice between a, a, a veteran player who's played a whole lot of college basketball and played in a major conference. You know, Creighton, you know, Davian Mintz coming from Creighton, that, you know, that's a big East team. Or, you know, you have you know, Devin Askew, you have a guy who should be a senior in high school. So, you know, I think that's kind of interesting, you know, an interesting choice. You know, I, I think this is a very interesting Kentucky team for the reason you allude to. Other than Keon Brooks, there's nobody who played, you know, a minute for Kentucky last year in any kind of significant or that we expect to be in any kind of significant role. So it's it, it, it's as close to a brand new team as you could possibly have. Um, you know, th- there's been a lot of hype, you know, a lot of preseason hype about, you know, some of the, you know, some of the freshmen and how good they've looked. You know, so, you know, I'm always a little hesitant on that just because yeah. you know, some of these, you know, some of these, some of these classes have come in with, you know, humongous hype. And once the season started, you know, that they've, they've, they've looked young. So, you know, we're, it, I think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, it's going to, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll be interested to see about Olivier Saar, obviously, uh, to see if he's the guy that uh, people think he can be uh, from the way he played, especially at the end of his uh, Wake Forest career before he transferred to Kentucky. So I'll be interested to see, you know, how, how he is. I'm like you. I want to see the point guard position. And I, I want to see all these guys because they're all pretty much new. I want to see Keon Brooks. To see, I know he's been hurt. Uh, some in preseason, but I want to see how much progress he's made. And uh, like you said, it's going to be, hopefully they'll be able to play and we'll be able to get a season in uh, because I think they will be an interesting team. And from everything it sounds like, they'll be a team that's going to be fun to watch. So we look the other for, guy, the other oh, guy I'm inter- I'm sorry. The other guy I'm interested in is Dante Allen. Just yeah. I always, you know, sort of pull for the in-state guys and, you know, he hasn't played in so long because he missed right. the last half of his high school year and then missed last year. I'm interested to see, you know, if he can carve out a role and, you know, how big or how big, how much chance he gets this year. Right. No. Yeah. That's an, yeah, he's another one. So, uh, uh, yeah. So we look forward to that. Hopefully they'll be able to pull this off. What, what do you think about this? I mean, uh, do you think from what you've been able to ascertain so far, I mean, are we going to, is it going to be like football that we're going to play a couple of games and then we're going to have a couple of games postponed and then we'll get back to it or, what do you think? Especially, you know, we're playing indoors and they're letting people inside, which I don't. I'm I'm a little dubious of that. Uh, playing in Rupp Arena with fans there when you're playing in, it, you know, inside. Uh, I know there are fewer players in basketball. On the one hand, that's less people to worry about. But on the other hand, if you have a breakout, you could really wreck a roster. I mean, how's this going to work? I agree with you on fans. I don't really understand why they're doing it. I I'm, I'm in favor of trying to play. But I, I don't understand what, you know why they're allowing fans in, especially given the current elevated rates of infection. Right. You know that said, I you know I 
think it will be very hit or miss. Yeah. I think because there are so few players, if you, you know, if you have, you know, a spread on your team or you just get into a contact tracing situation, you, know, you, you can get decimated, you know, five guys, right. you know, that, that's half your team. So, you know, I, I, I would expect there to be a lot of stops and starts. Yeah. And are you in favor or against this idea of playing the NCAA tournament all in Indianapolis or at least in Indianapolis and the surrounding areas? I think I'm in favor. I I mean, I feel like there almost has to be an NCAA tournament this year for the financial reasons. I think creating a bubble probably is the best chance of doing that safely or as, as close to a bubble as you can do. And, you know, I thought back in the summer that, you know, for you know, academic reasons and just the whole student athlete pretense, they would not be able to do bubbles in college sports, but it's been amazing how quickly they've worked through those kind of concerns. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it has been amazing. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way, I guess. And they're, yeah, they need them. Yeah, no, they can't, they, they can't take another canceled NCAA tournament. They have to have, from a financial standpoint, they have to have, you would have a lot of athletic programs that would go out of business. The NCAA might go out of business if they don't have another NCAA tournament as much as they get, uh, as, as much as they get from that. So yeah, I'm, I'm like you, I'm in, I'm in favor of the idea. We'll see how it works out. I can see why they're doing it. Hopefully we will have a vaccine that will be, de- that will be widely distributed by that point, which will help matters immensely on all fronts. But uh, until then, we'll just have to see how this all shakes out. But first, we've got football on Saturday. we got the basketball game on Wednesday, and then we have football game on Saturday. As uh, you alluded to, Mark Stoops has his press conference on Monday. We'll be covering all – it's Thanksgiving week, but we'll be covering all that this week, so be sure and look for that. Look for Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story and his columns and his coverage and his matchups uh, on Kentucky.com. And be sure and read him in the print edition of the Herald Leader as well. Thanks thanks a lot, Mark. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for the John Clay Podcast for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. Uh, thanks to my guest, Mark Story. Follow him on Twitter, Mark C. Story. Read him online at Kentucky.com or in the print edition of the Herald Leader. Thanks to everyone who listens to the podcast. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, tuned in google podcasts and iheart podcasts give us a rating and review we appreciate everyone who has done that that just helps get the word out about these podcasts Uh, we'll have more podcasts this week leading up to the kentucky basketball opener on wednesday against moorhead state and later in the week for the florida football game down in gainesville on saturday you can follow me on twitter at john clay iv send me an email jclay at herald-leader.com thanks again for listening we'll be talking to you again soon